Professor Deborah Davis. As I mentioned earlier in the program, she's a renowned environmental health expert and founder of the Environmental Health Trust in Washington, D.C. Former professor of epidemiology at the University of Pittsburgh Cancer Institute, where she heads the world's first center on environmental oncology. She's now a visiting professor at Harvard and Georgetown Universities. And she is here today. She's also the author of Disconnect, the Truth About Cell Phone Radiation and What the Industry Has Done to Hide It. It's the most, in my opinion at least, it's the most thorough investigation into the health risks of cell phone and like technologies and the story that telecommunication industries attempt to cover up this science. Nice to have you with us today. Thank you so much, Gary. It's nice to be back. Would you please take us through this maze, and, and let me just set the stage, and then I'll step out of the picture and, and give you the form. I have what? seen this. I have seen this in the area of vaccines. Uh, I've seen it in the area of pesticides, in artificial sweeteners, in many areas where we're told repeatedly by various governmental agencies that there is no science showing any harmful effects whatsoever. And by the way, we were also told this for over 80 years about cigarette smoking, that there's no evidence of any harm to any person. And we weren't told this by the industries. We were told this by government agencies, but we didn't know how close the lobbyists and the agencies and the uh, were, were behind them. Then behind that, on television and radio, came the experts, PhDs, MDs, who would come forward and say, as a professor such and such, I can tell you that all this is nonsense. These are just fear mongers. Don't believe them. The science is good. And once again, long periods of time, like synthetic hormone replacement therapy. It's good for you. It will help turn off hot flashes, protect your heart. For 35 year, years, 10 million American women using it on an annual basis trusted that. Why is it? that with cell phones, we have been repeatedly told that there is no harm, that we have no problems, and yet there's evidence to the contrary. Take us through this this whole, why can't we ever just be told the truth and given the facts and accept that we have a right to make choices based upon the potential uh, cause and effect of what we're engaged with. The form is yours. Thank you so much, Gary. I really appreciate your interest in this issue. I think very few people realize that a cell phone really is a two-way microwave radio. And the reason we don't know that is because the very words we use to describe cell phone radiation, radio frequency radiation, are, are obscure and not widely discussed. You're absolutely correct. As I've documented in my work in the past 35 years, if you look at what the history of tobacco and asbestos and hormone replacement therapy teach us, it's, it's pretty clear. When hazards are first identified, the discussion is, wait a minute, it really isn't a problem, you know, trust us, things are really all right. And industry has a pattern of using science as a form of public relations. So people will appear and assure you, yes, actually, it looks like tobacco causes cancer, but actually the people who get cancer are those who have a genetic risk for the disease. The irony is there's some truth to that. You do have genetic factors that make you even more vulnerable to tobacco and, in fact, to other hazards. But the reality is we are seeing the epidemics now from the misuse of tobacco and asbestos and hormone replacement therapy, and many scientists and People like yourself warned years before that we ought to be careful about how we were using these things. So this pattern 
where a, a hazard is identified, an industry then discredits the persons identifying the hazard and hires other scientists to raise doubts. This pattern of doubt manufacture has been going on for decades. It was probably perfected best with the tobacco industry. The asbestos industry did a pretty good job as well. And where I am right now with my new book, Disconnect, The Truth About Cell Phone Radiation, is, is quite clear. People have a right to know that we already have compelling experimental evidence showing that cell phone use can damage the brain cell DNA, that cell phone use can suppress sperm count, and that rats that have learned a task will lose their ability to swim out of a maze or to find their way to food if they've been exposed to cell phone radiation. Those are the things that I make clear in my book. And what industry has done is whenever there's been a report that something may be causing damage from cell phone radiation, they've responded by hiring others to discredit it. Let me give you one example, if I may. In 1994, Henry Lai and V.S. Singh used a very new test called the Comet Assay, which showed that the DNA from rat brain cells could be damaged after a short period of exposure to cell phone radiation. That work was reported in a conference, as scientists do. Industry immediately went into battle mode and hired a public relations firm, and their goal was to discredit the work. In addition, they wrote to the president of the university, where Henry Lai was employed, and suggested that he be fired. And they also wrote to NIH that had funded this team and accused them of improperly using funds, which, as you know, for a researcher, that's a pretty grave accusation. The response, uh, unfortunately, was that the uh, University of Washington protected Henry Lai. After all of those strategies failed, the industry then hired a public relations firm to, quote, war-game the science. That was their approach. Let's war-game the science. And they did. They raised so many doubts about it that when, in 2002, a research team in Europe decided to investigate this definitively in 12 different laboratories, they were convinced there could not possibly be any problem. What they found out as I report in my book, Disconnect, was that Henry Lai was right all along. But in the meantime, while Henry Lai's results showing damage to DNA from cell phone use had been dismissed and discredited all over the world, at that point there was a billion cell phone users by 2002. Today we have five billion. I love my cell phone, most people do, but I never would hold it next to my brain anymore, and I know how to use it more safely. And that's why I really appreciate your interest in this, Gary. People have a right to know that men who do not use cell phones have far more healthy sperm than those who have used a cell phone between two and four hours a day. They have a right to know that independent studies of cell phone radiation find a problem with cell phone radiation much more frequently than studies that are paid for by industry, not surprisingly. All right, I appreciate that overview. There are other researchers, uh, for example, uh, Dr. Franz uh, 
is it Adkofor? Adolkofor. Uh, he is a medical researcher in the environmental disorders who showed conclusively that cell phone radiation unravels the DNA strands. What does that mean for the onset of diseases, particularly cancer, and also, by extension, why is it that we have to wait till there's multiple studies of something causing cancer or some other problem instead of saying if there's a pattern of behavior like unraveling DNA strands or overheating the brain or causing a, a severe oxidative stress that this could lead to something though we may not always know what it will lead to and in what susceptible people but if there's a potential for harm why can't we why can't we at that point stop something why do we have to wait to the hundredth study gets done. Well, what Dr. Adelkofer went through is really interesting. He's a fascinating character, actually. Um, he worked for years for the tobacco industry in Germany, and he was a very wealthy man. Um, but he published studies in the early 1990s that said that tobacco caused cancer. So the industry was anxious to give him something else to do, you know, go play in traffic. And so they created a foundation for him and um, he was eager to move on because his area of expertise was on addiction from nicotine and the brain and how it worked in brain chemistry. So he took on a project that he thought would be very simple. He thought he was going to show that it was impossible for microwave radiation from cell phones to have any impact on the brain. He went about setting up a large study with $5 million of research with 12 different laboratories throughout Europe called the Reflex Project. And that study very carefully examined what happened to the brain after exposure to cell phone radiation. And they looked at cells from young brains and old brains, and they looked at different cell cultures, and they examined the consequences of just two hours of exposure to cell phone radiation and 24 hours of cell phone radiation. Well, when they first got results that showed an effect, Adelkofer threw them out. He thought there was a problem with the laboratory. They'd made a mistake. So they went out and bought brand new equipment. They had a lot of money. And they repeated the study. And they got the same results, showing that cell phone radiation really does damage DNA. Well, at that point, they repeated the work. And understand now, this is work in 12 different laboratories. So it wasn't as though one team had done this. And Adelkofer figured, well, you know, I'm Franz Adelkofer. I've done important work, and people will listen to me. At this point, he's himself a grandfather, a very distinguished scientist, and he was astonished at what happened next. The industry went after him. They found a laboratory researcher in his lab who had uh, a troubled past herself and who had been um, insubordinate to her boss, and they got her to say that she committed fraud on one project, not this one, on a different project. And they used that in order to argue that she must have committed fraud on this project. They said she broke the code so that she knew which slides had been exposed to cell phone radiation and which had not. Well, in fact, nobody knew that code. Even Adelkofer didn't know that code. So he was stunned. He was absolutely stunned. But because he was also a very powerful and influential figure, widely respected in science, he was able to do something that most people couldn't do. 
he mounted a defense. And in response, the journal that had published his article showing this damage held forth and said, no, Edelkofer is correct. The university created a team of people to review his data. And at first, they appointed someone as the head of that team who worked for the cell phone industry. And guess what? That first review said, oh, Edelkofer's work should be thrown out. It's no good. When Edelkofer realized this man had been funded so heavily by industry, he got them to appoint another team. And most recently, just this fall, Edelkofer's work has been found to be correct. There is clear evidence that cell phone radiation can damage the DNA in the brain. This also uh, brings to point Dr. Andrew Wakefield. Wakefield has been totally trashed. The Lancet withdrew the article showing a connection between the MMR vaccine and problems in the gastrointestinal tract. And, and 12 members of the team were completely trashed. And they finally took away th- uh, uh, his license to practice medicine in, in the kingdom based upon the comments of one man. That man I will show to this afternoon in, in an hour and a half, or two hours from now, on our sister station PFW. Is, uh, I'll be in New York. You can listen over the internet at progressiveradionetwork.com or garyandall.com. You can hear this. But we have investigated this man. This man is clearly aligned with uh, the pharmaceutical industry. And I put together all the different pieces of the puzzle, just as you just mentioned. So here's Wakefield, who did original work. He had no vested interest. He had no axe to grind. He and his team's findings did represent, however, a challenge. Is the MMR vaccine causing problems? Instead of doing additional work, which is all he asked, do some additional research. We found something here that concerns us, and we want more research. Instead, they killed the messenger. And I'm looking now what you just said twice and two separate references, and even with yourself, could you imagine what kind of groups uh, they have working to, to try to find anything about you? What has Dr. Davis done? Has she done anything affiliated with anyone? Let's try to destroy her. And today, this is a very big deal out there, because if you're right, and people listen to you, you realize you could be adversely affecting their finances, and they're not going to allow that. If you take well, that into Gary, account. I, I, appreciate, I appreciate your concern. Let me just say, as you may remember, I worked for 10 years at the U.S. National Academy of Sciences, where I was the founding director of the Board on Environmental Studies and Toxicology. I was the director of the Center for Environmental Oncology at the University of Pittsburgh Cancer Institute. I actually was a member of the team that got the Nobel Peace Prize with Al Gore in 2007 for my work with the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. And I've published uh, a fair number, 200 more uh, publications uh, that are of academic uh, type. So at this point in my life, um, I think I'm a little tougher um, target, um, to use a term that's been too much used lately, for industry. I also feel that um, I'm getting clear indications from people in industry in Europe and from some in this country that they understand there's a problem. In fact, scientists have said to me, look, we know we have patents for safer cell phones, but the lawyers don't want us to say they're safer because if we do, we're acknowledging that we know that the old ones were very dangerous, and, and they were. And that's part of the problem in doing research in this field. Current phones today, the 3G network, are much weaker 
than the old phones, the analog phones that were not were on all the time. But it's not the strength of the signal that may be so problematic. It may be the on and off aspect, the digital pulse nature of it that can be so disruptive. If you are riding in a bus and you're going steadily along, you can read. But if that bus suddenly hits the brakes, you lose your place. And that's what's happening with pulsed digital signals from cell phone radiation. Now, you know, I really appreciate your interest. In fact, my website, ehtrust.org, has a link to the Disconnect Book website. Disconnectbook.com provides all of the references you ever would want on this subject, including detailed links to studies on DNA damage, to sperm count effects, and behavioral and learning problems. Uh, We're out of time, and I want people to read the book. I want people to know the truth, and I want them to share it with others. But we're also going to keep a diligent view to make sure that if any of the articles or attacks against you occur, those of us who see how they play dirty can jump in there and lend a voice in your support. Well, Gary, I very much appreciate that. In fact, Scientific American had an article in the October issue that said it was preposterous to think that cell phones could damage DNA, and they will finally be publishing my letter showing that their article was completely wrong. Cell phones are are non-ionizing radiation, so they do not damage DNA by breaking DNA bonds directly, but they do damage DNA in other ways. And the failure to understand that by the person who wrote the article for Scientific American in October was quite disappointing. If you go to the Scientific American website, you can see a number of scientists really laid into them for publishing something that was so biased and limited in the understanding of the biology. It was written by a physicist who did not understand the fact that non-ionizing radiation Pulse digital signals from cell phones can be profoundly damaging. That's why we've created a variety of resources, including our website, ehtrust.org, including the Facebook campaign for safer cell phones, which I really would ask you to link to because we're trying to reach out to people. We have downloadable materials that we're providing to schools and teachers and parents so that people will understand if you have a cell phone, don't keep it on and on your body. Use a headset. Use a speakerphone and don't sleep with it under your pillow. And for goodness sakes, young women should never keep their cell phone tucked into their bra. And for the iPhone 4 and most smartphones, there are warnings in fine print that you can find on our website that say, if you keep it in your pocket, you can exceed the FCC exposure guidelines. Okay. Thank you very much for all the work you do. I look forward to our next conversation. I do as well, Gary. Thank you. Bye-bye. 